Let's go, girls. Brana? Hey there. Hi. Oh my gosh. I was like, oh no, am I doing something wrong? And then you emailed me right at the same time. I just saw your email. Did it not pop up on your phone? It like didn't pop up that anything was coming through. And then I randomly saw the bell had like a little red dot. And I was like, oh no, what is that? <laughs> I didn't know because I don't know what it looks like on the other end. So I felt really bad if I was like annoying you and like you just couldn't do it tonight and something happened. Or no, whatever, so. no. It wasn't even like ringing on my side. Gosh. Maybe I pressed like no notifications <laughs> or something and that was part oh, of it. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Well, that could be good to know for future too to make sure that people turn on notifications or something. Yeah. All oh. right. Well, nice meeting you. Yeah, you too. So I guess we can just dive into it. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, and what you're all about. So I grew up in northern Michigan in a small town outside of Traverse City. That's like the most well-known town around there. And then I went down to Cincinnati, Ohio for college for fashion design product development. And then right after that, I moved to New York City. And so I've lived here for the past seven years or so. Oh, wow. You're right in the middle of the city? Um, I live over in Brooklyn, but I work right next to the Empire State Building. So only been to New York City a couple of times. And each time it's been like a whole different world. Yeah, it is. pretty crazy. (laughs) So how long have you been in New York? Um, For about seven years, maybe a little over. I took like a six month break about three years ago and I moved back to Michigan and kind of recouped and focused on Summers and Co and getting this business to sort of where I wanted it to be and then came back and started working again. Yeah. So before we dive into it, I'm really interested on the background. I I did a little research and I read (laughs) on your website, the heritage of the brand, which I love how you're calling it your heritage. (sighs) Very cool. Um, But I want to know too, how did you and Cynthia connect? Um, I think she said that someone saw my Instagram or an article and then sent it to her. And so she just connected with me through my website and we had a phone call and then the next month, I think she had a women's retreat coming up that happened to only be two or three hours outside of New York in Connecticut. So I was like, okay, that's a perfect opportunity to meet you and meet other women we're interested in fly fishing. So that was a really cool opportunity and lucky with the timing that it all happened right then. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you ever done a woman's fishing trip like that before? Uh, I have not done it when it's women only. I did um, the Joan Wolf School for Fly Fishing up in um, the Catskills. Oh, wow. But it was a mix. So I was definitely the minority. Of- yeah, at that <laughs> well, Cynthia puts on a really great show and she puts on a really cool experience for women and just a, a, creating an environment that's just welcoming and no judgment. It's just all about fishing and having fun. Yeah, she's really great and friendly and great awesome. character, too. She like brings a lot of light <laughs> to yes, the room. She and... has, yeah, she has a lot of enthusiasm, which I love. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your fishing background. You said you went to a school up in the Catskills. Before that, were you? did you grow up fishing, and was it always fly fishing? Um, I grew up fishing on and off, and not always fly fishing. Um, you know, we would just take out, like, the rowboat and do some spin casting and whatnot, too. 
I then, I think during, you know, high school, you're not as interested in doing things with your family, maybe. (laughs) So, so, but I um, would still, because my grandparents lived near us, so we would see them all the time, and I was still very close with them. And I was really interested in sewing then. And so I think I would always be working on projects, whether Mm -hmm. fishing related or not. And my grandfather would always say, like, you have to make my vest. You have to make your grandfather's vest. And so I think that was always, like, put in my head at an early age. And then when I went away to college for fashion design product development, Um, My senior thesis was focused on this women's line, and that kind of brought me back around to, like, being interested in fishing again and fly fishing and um, more interested in, like, my family history and my grandfather and everything like that. That's very cool. So did you ever get his vest? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Maybe I should get on that for this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. So you do all of you do it all yourself and you're making all of the pieces yourself or do you send it out to a manufacturer? Like how do you go about creating a, your own line? So in, when I went home to Michigan for the six months, I thought that some aspects would be a little easier than they were, but it turns out that there's a lot more resources, surprise to surprise in <laughs> New York city. And so it's actually, it's still difficult and you have to con make lots of contacts and run around the city but um there's actually quite a few little factories manufacturers and um suppliers around the city so I kind of like for the pattern I had someone make that for me and then have another person source like the zippers for me and another person do the fabric and then have bring it all to um, this little facility and so they sewed all the vests for me. Oh, wow. So do you still use that facility today? Um, I haven't done like a second production run. I'm redesigning some things and some new things. So once um, those are ready to go, I'll either use that same one or find a different, but still local. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. very cool. So bringing it back a little bit to the very beginning of Summers & Co., when you kind of that light bulb went off in your head. What was that like? And you're like, I'm going to create a business. I'm going to create this line and just go for it. Um, I think I was always really like, as soon as I thought of it, I've been very excited about it. And by the thought of it and getting other people excited about the sport. um, And whenever I meet new people and tell them about it, everyone seems very excited about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that helped a lot too, you know, like, if you talk to someone and they get excited, then you're like even more excited to go home and research something and keep on designing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was it about focusing more on just women pieces that you're kind of like, was there a void in the market or when did you realize that you just wanted to focus on women's pieces? I think um, right away I knew I just wanted to focus on women's pieces because I did, I just felt like there was a void in the market. Yeah. And, um, I think first I thought, okay, I'm going to do like printed waiters. <laughs> like, Ooh. you know how people have like printed rain boots and stuff. Those are like big yeah. when we're in or when I was in college. 
And so I was like, oh, yeah, why don't they have, like, cute printed waiters? And then – um, great idea. Yeah. And just, you know, get a little more fun. And <laughs> – right. And fly fishing is all about, too, like – I feel like some big-time fly fishermen are just really into the accessories and just into the clothing of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I just was thinking, okay, and I – because I'm, I'm shorter – so I'm only 5'2", and I was thinking, okay, I can't fit into these waders because they come up too high or they're too big right. or even a fishing vest, you know, it, they're, like, falling off my shoulders and whatnot. So I was like, why don't I just make something for women that actually fit them and is de- designed for them with them in mind instead of, you know, a man in mind, and then how can we make it accommodate a woman? Yeah, absolutely. So have you run into anything so far that's been kind of like a a struggle within sizes? Because I feel like a lot of the times with women, we're not just small, medium, large. There's a lot of different specialty measurements that need to be considered. Have you thought about getting that intricate or just kind of keeping it simple? Yeah, um, (laughs) there's definitely been thought (laughs) (laughs) and rework on sizing. I think that is... Um, one of the hardest things, especially right now, like just in the world and in our industry, I think is like women sizing being, you know, everyone should be all inclusive and everyone has a different body type. And yeah, it's hard because my first, um, production run, I had kind of a mixture of sizes and did not go large enough and then you go like I went to the fly fishing show just to walk around and I wore the vest with a friend and to get people's reaction and comments and network and what a good um, feeling that must have been yeah it was really fun and but as soon as we got back in the car, I was like, oh, man, we need to make so many more sizes in this vest <laughs> because it's not going to fit anybody. And so that's my number one goal is in the next couple months to get it like zero up to size 20, hopefully, mm-hmm. and really trying to accommodate everybody. But again, it is difficult, too, because you have short and tall, not just, you know. Yeah, short, tall, yeah. wide, thin, like there's everything you could think yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you were in design school, tell me a little bit about that experience, because I'm really interested. I had a friend, um, very close friend of mine, went to Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, um, and she was always sketching growing up and doing all different, all different kinds of sketches and different designs and different lines, but what was it like for you in school? Like, did you always have the thought I'm going to make my own company or I'm going to make my own line one day, or is it just kind of, that's what your passion was. Did you know really where you're going to go with it? I think so when I went into my program, so there was fashion design only and then fashion design product development. And my major was kind of like half business, half design. Oh, cool. Cause I knew I always liked um, knowing like the full picture of how everything worked. And I figured if I knew like some of the design aspects and some of the business aspects, then that would help eventually one day like facilitate me starting a business. Right. And so I think it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to have my own business, but yeah. 
So I know it's just slowly growing that way. By no means am I going to quit my job tomorrow, but <laughs> we'll see where it goes. So is what you're doing now in design as well? Yeah, I actually work on um, in the fashion industry on a women's um, denim shorts and woven bottoms team. So we oh, kind wow. of, I talk to like the factories all day and cost the product and get it to stores on time. That's really cool. I feel like people don't even think about what goes on behind the pair of jeans that they put on every day. Yeah, there <laughs> there's is a so, lot. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. So I want to know too, and I, ta- I touched on it briefly in the beginning, but so your heritage. So tell me about like, you thought of this idea in, in design school and you knew that you wanted to create a business, but how did you come to the name where, I'm going to call it Summers & Co.? Um, my grandfather, who's world known for his bamboo fly rods. Oh, cool. Um, What's his name? Bob Summers. Okay. So it's R.W. Summers. And so he's like world famous for making his own bamboo fly rods. Wow. And then also for like fixing other fly rods, a lot of which are like vintage and That's really um, neat. collectors. And so I think that as, like, I was putting my thesis together and had all the time to think about it, it was really cool to me that I would link the brand back to my grandfather's, like, heritage and legacy in fly fishing. Right. And so his last name is Summers. And then uh, me and all my siblings, our middle names are Summers. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it just kind of links back to the family and his whole life in the industry, which is really cool. That's really neat. So I know we touched on it a little bit, but growing up with him, learning to fly fish, what was that? Is there many places in Michigan that you could go every day? Or when did you really like realize that your interest in fly fishing was really peaking? Um, yeah, so we live in northern Michigan which is like surrounded by water it's on a peninsula in Lake Michigan I'm trying to but then what the mitt that people yeah (laughs) yeah and then we're up in the pinky on the left side I got it now um yeah so there's tons of fresh water all around us rivers lakes anything you could imagine so he actually lives on the river on a river it's called the Boardman River in Traverse City and, um, so we would go in the Boardman river and then if other types of fishing, if we were just taking like a little rowboat out or something, we would, you know, go in Glen Lake or we've gone on Lake Michigan with some friends. We did that this summer actually, which was a lot of fun. So you always kind of went fishing with family and then in high school, it kind of, you don't really do your family thing. Yeah. Which I totally relate to, um, but were there any other girlfriends in your area that were interested in fly fishing too growing up? Uh, there's definitely tons of outdoor activities and every mm-hmm. like, you know, tons of people are interested in them. But I don't remember having a friend that was really into it. Right. And even now, I don't really have any friends who are into it, I don't think. But I now. Yeah, I know what you mean. That, yeah, but now that, um, like, I have my little brand and trying to grow my business I need Instagram pictures so <laughs> some of my friends you, you know yeah so um some of my friends will come out with me um one of my friends in particular from college I um 
went down fishing with her last winter in Isle Morada. Oh, wow. What a dream. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then she actually came up with me. She was able to come up to New York and go up for the day with me to Cynthia's, like, women's event. Oh, cool. She went with you. Awesome. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. So I saw you did a pop-up with Cynthia's trip, too. Is that something that you do regularly, or is that, like, a first-time thing? So that was my first time doing it, but I would love to have that be, like, a reoccurring thing and even eventually have it be kind of maybe, like, ship a box to a women's group that's having, like, a retreat or, like, a casting for recovery event or something. And Great idea. Yeah, and have it be, like, even if I'm not there, you know, the person could on, you know, open the box and set it up in a way where women could try things on and see if they like it. That's really neat. I don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that there's really a business model like that where you just ship off your product and they do a try on themselves. Because sometimes, too, it's almost intimidating when the designer is there or the business owner is there and you really want to be able to test the product without feeling like, Oh yeah, it looks great. Or you know what I mean? Like people are yeah, kind of yeah. a yeah. little reserved, but for mm-hmm. them to genuinely get into your gear and really put it to the test. I think that's a great, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun at the um, event that Cynthia put together because we um, had it be a, like a focus group. And then, you know, I set it up like a little shop. And so it was kind of both. So people really felt comfortable giving their opinions and trying it on and feeling the fabrics and um, everything like that. And so, yeah, it felt really like casual and like an open forum where people could be honest. That's awesome. But yeah, so, was, but I totally understand being reserved because I would be that person. So oh, I know. I, yeah, it's awesome. If you didn't really love it. Yeah. So what was that? Was that nerve-wracking, like, to put your product out there and, like, have people test it in front of you? Um, It was – I think it was more exciting than nerve-wracking. Yeah. I feel – Cynthia makes it so, like, fun and casual and everything with her personality, too, and her energy. So I think that that really helped. And I was – yeah, I think I was just really excited to, like – get it out there and be like what do you think about it <laughs> like right. I want to know I want to improve it I want it to fit you right you know so you said this is your first line when did this launch this one I did it so I got the product from the factory in New York last end of January oh, in so February so aside from so you have the pop-up shops and you really want to do kind of that box it up and ship it off to the event what other kind of things do you see for the future of summers and co like what kind of other things do you want to see it grow um product wise i number one is getting the vests in every size possible (laughs) (laughs) so the most women can fit in it and then i want to do just like some brand extension you know some shirts some other vests Mm -hmm. too you know, women who fish saltwater versus freshwater both have different ideas and needs and what they want out of a vest or just a shirt even. Right. So I'm excited about all that. I mean, all the options, it's like endless. If I sit down and start sketching or writing a list down, it's like I could be here all night. Yeah, it really is. I think it's too, it's really cool too. It's 
when I, the friend I mentioned that went to FIT in New York, um, she would share some of her, because she really wants to do a swim line, and she would share even her sketches on her business page that it's like a business, she actually has her Instagram page before the business really starts, because yeah. she wants to show like how it's going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really neat. You have all these ideas, and I mean, even down to pants, it really could be, like you said, it's an endless opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. What are like some of the signature pieces that you have that, that you hold true to Summers and Co. And then you also think are just the most important for women in fly fishing or fishing in general. So I think the two, um, like signature pieces that we have right now are the heritage vest and the popover vest. Cause those two are like 100% I designed and worked with someone to make, and they're American-made. Very cool. And the heritage vest is more, you know, captures that really heritage feel of fly fishing and is more for, like, not – it's more for the north. Like, I don't know if you'd necessarily wear it, you know, in Isle Morata. Right. you could. So is it, like, thicker material? What are kind of the features? Yeah, it has, like, um, wax-coated cotton kind of – and um like brass trim so snaps and zippers to help with rusting um and yeah so just a little thicker so you wouldn't want that on like a 90 degree day in the salt water (laughs) definitely not yeah and then uh, and it's a little it's cropped too so it's better for waiting if you're going to go out in the water right um, so the popover vest is a little bit sportier and it's more lightweight made with um, like water resistant fabric that's like wicking and it's a little bit longer. So if a girl is, you know, if she's charter fishing or just in a hotter climate and just wants to wear a bathing suit, even she could throw this on over her bathing suit and still have like um, all the pockets she needs as well as stay cool because it's not super heavy. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I think it too, it's a great layering piece for when you're going out there, it might be a little cooler and then you're on the boat standing still or just kind of going back and forth there. It it gets extremely hot. Yeah, definitely. I know, um, Cynthia has the one in stellar blue and she was wearing it the other day underneath her waders. And over, like, a fleece, I think. So Okay. It's even good for the colder weather up north. <laughs> I'm sure it's good, too. It sounds like it'd be something good for the wind, like like a wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Resistance? Yeah. I don't know if resistance the word, but. <laughs> yeah. Blocks. <laughs> Blocking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, for someone who has no idea about fly fishing and what you would need a vest for, it's, I think for some people, too, it's kind of like, well, what do I need all this clothing for? And some people get caught in the idea of, that people are just trying to sell them clothing because that's what's in per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would you say to someone and how you sell your product to someone who doesn't really know why they would need it? Um, so I guess for me personally, I don't like to have things like I don't like to have clutter on me when I'm trying to do an activity. Right. So for me, the vest can hold everything that you could need for the day or, you know, a couple hour trip. And so I would let them know, you know, it holds all your flies, your clippers, your sandwich. You can put a thing on the back for, yeah, (laughs) for the net. Um, 
really anything you need for your trip is there unless, you know, I, the vest is not designed for someone to go out when like a two week excursion probably and not come back. But for, I think it's more minimal because I personally think that you don't need so many things on a trip. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I'm thinking back to like the two different vests, the two versions that you created. So one for hotter weather and then one for much cooler temps. How did you know, and you mentioned like the zipper and the buttons for, to prevent rust. So you made them brass. How did you know all these like little features in creating these pieces? I think just over time and research and everything just slowly came together and I also like the look of the brass yeah I mean it's definitely classy (laughs) so I do like brass it's a plus that it doesn't rust and that's better so yeah and then the popover one has water resistant zippers too so that was really cool I I need to get my hands on some of this stuff it sounds so are you gonna have these is it gonna be like is it an online shop how can people get a hold of this yeah, so you can um, purchase online through my site, summerscompany.com. And on my Instagram account, there's a shop through there. Or if I tag an item, you can purchase it through there. Very cool. All right, well, I need to get my hands on some of this stuff. Now, I want to know, too, what else? Because you, of course, you thought of this brand or you thought of this line that was really avoiding the market. Women need more tailored clothing to them when they're fishing what do you think else in the industry in the fishing industry that you think needs to be modified modified or even created for women I think that the number one and the number one thing when I talk to women is figuring out the waiter situation for sure (laughs) because (laughs) it's like no one is fully satisfied with their waiters so that is number one um I think just in general for fishing that's on like my radar for what I want to bring to the brand is some more vest options or wading jackets. Some things that aren't just, I want to offer a sun shirt with my branding on it because I think it's cute and it's useful. But I also think that, um, you know, people need more than just a sun shirt with a screen right on it. Right. And that seems to be, like, what's offered the most. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's a lot of things that are big and branded. But if there's something subtle and you're going to be comfortable in it and it it still is showing your brand and you're putting yourself out there, I think that's the best way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the whole message of Summers & Co.? Is there, like, kind of an overarching brand message that you really want to get across? I think that um, it's really important that people that the brand makes people feel like fishing is accessible for women and that they can feel like beautiful and empowered doing the sport and it doesn't always you know include men in camouflage to enjoy it and because you know that's totally fine and but you know some people that turns them away or it's intimidating or oh I'm not into that but it's like here's a new fresh look at the sport or not even a fresh look, just a different angle at it. Right. And it's really accessible and it's beautiful and it's peaceful. So 
getting people excited about it in that sense. Yeah. I think it's really important. Definitely. I'd, I'd have to agree. I think a lot of the times too, I throw on like a big chunky sweatshirt or an oversized rain jacket. And I'm like, I look like an absolute frump, but I mean, why should I matter? I'm fishing, but it's also like, you're taking photos, you're making memories and you want to be comfortable when you're making a cat, making a cast and you don't have a big baggy sleeve on you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is, is fabulous. It's such a great idea. Thank you. You're talking about how when you were growing up, it seemed like you didn't really face much adversity when it came to fly fishing, because like you said, there's a lot of outdoor activities up in the pinky of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you ever run into something where you did feel kind of not as welcomed by the male population or just welcomed into a group? I know you said you did do some co-ed um, classes before, but was there ever a time that you were kind of like, I really need to stick up for the woman in, in this sport too? Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously it's still, there's more men, especially when I was growing up in um, fishing and fly fishing than women. Um, but I would say that when it's like most more uncomfortable kind of for me is if you're at like an event, maybe right. That's for fishing or fly fishing. Cause people will just think, you know, I'm there with my grandpa or I'm have to be there with someone else. That's so really I think when point. it's like things a, like that, or something. Kind of like, yeah. Like, Oh, what? Like, what? why are you here? Oh, interesting. You know, so you kind of have to like warm them up or explain yourself a little bit more. Yeah. That's a good point. I did. I went to a fly fishing show in gosh, where was it? Western mass or central mass. And it was, I went by myself. I went to go meet um, a brand that I was working with. um, And I just went to go meet them, meet at their booth because it was all just remote us communicating Mm -hmm. Um, and I finally went to go meet them in person and I walked around and I did notice, like you said, there's a lot of couples there. And I, I actually noticed that there were a lot of women that were, might've been wearing a fly fishing brand, a hat or a shirt. And the guy looked like he was the one that was getting dragged along. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely goes both ways. Yeah. Times are changing. (laughs) It, yeah, for sure. Now, Kara, when you aren't fishing, I do want to know, where can people find you? Is there, what are some of your other interests? So I think I do like to stay very busy. <laughs> Lately, I was thinking about this. I was like, what have I done the past year? That, <laughs> that I hasn't think... done with, like, summers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, let's see. It's been wedding season for about two years now for me. So oh there's lots You're in that of. Time while your friends are getting married. Yeah. So there's lots of travel and weddings. Um, so, yeah, I think just being with family and friends. And since I, my family's back in Michigan, traveling back to Michigan, um, I love to cook and. Um, we're not far from, uh, the Rockaways or Breezy Point, which is, Ooh, what's that? It's like the tip of Long Island, but the tip that's near New York city instead of the other farther end. Right. And so they're known for like striper fishing. And so, um, we'll go out there sometimes me and my boyfriend will go fishing. That's awesome. I heard there are some big stripers down that way. Yeah, I saw some on Instagram the other day. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know how they got that on the boat. <laughs> my God, some of them are huge. Like, I, my dad's a big uh, striper fisherman on, on the Cape, and 
he some of the keepers he's brought in over the years like I just remember growing up we would always have stripers every night in the summer um and some of the ones even people still today he's like I have never seen something that big like they just keep getting bigger yeah (laughs) yeah this one I was like whoa uh I didn't realize (laughs) it got that big yeah they're nuts and then they get puny too I mean they're little tiny schoolies or they're just absolute hogs so could go either way yeah now what would you say to a woman who wants to do what you're doing who wants to start their own brand but maybe hasn't doesn't have the design background that you might have I would say to just start and research and ask people, always ask people, because people do want to help. At the end of the day, you're the only one who's going to make it keep going, Right. but everyone, for the most part, wants to help, because even, you know, it doesn't matter if someone says they're moving to New York, or they are interested in this, or that, or interesting in fashion, like, I'm 100% always like jumping to help. And I feel like it's the same if I reach out to someone else about something. Um, Everyone has, you know, experiences and connections and they can all lend a hand and help you push you along to what your goal is. I love that. And I think too, fly fishing or just fishing in general is especially a welcoming industry and people love telling stories and people love talking about their own stories and their own fish that they caught. So if you can get someone like that who's just willing to talk, I mean, they're going to they're gonna end up helping you one way or another. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, I think the fly fishing industry is very, it's, like, very lucky that it is, like, a close-knit community, kind of, even right. though it's a huge community. <laughs> yeah, no, but I feel like a lot of people but, yeah. know each other in the industry. Yeah, and just, like, because it is kind of a niche sport, people are more like, oh, oh, you're into that? Oh, that's interesting, you know, yeah. and really friendly. So. Yeah, that's a really good, good point. So, you said people can find you on summerscompany.com. Yes. Um, what is your Instagram handle if people want to give you a follow? Summers underscore and underscore co. Easy enough. Easy to remember. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, Kara, thank you so much for spending the time with me on this episode. Um, I hope you do another fishing trip with Cynthia because I would love love to meet you in person. Um, And I know she's got a couple coming up for 2020. So hopefully there's something else in Connecticut your way. Yeah. Or we were – I was telling Cynthia that um, I think my friend and I want to come up to the Cape in May. Yes. Do it. some of the flats fishing. So if that happens, I'll for sure let you know. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I went to the flats with her for the first time. Um, this would, gosh, I don't even remember what month it was, but early summer. Um, and it was, it's amazing. It's the large, she said it's the largest flats in North America, which I cannot believe. Yeah, it's um, crazy. I'm excited well, to go. Well, you definitely should come. So that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, Carol, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. All right, thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye.